welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. My sermon text this morning is from Matthew chapter 3. It's on page 808 of your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Here's everyone's favorite experience. You guys ready for this? This is your favorite experience, meeting new people. Don't you guys love that? There's a few extroverts in the room who are probably like, I actually do like doing that. Uh, We all love the experience of being the new person in the room, especially when it's at a church, the first one you've ever come to. Welcome when everyone is gathered in a social situation and you don't know someone, what questions do we ask? What's, what's the first question? The first question is probably something like, what is your name? And then closely followed, it's what do you do? And what, by, what we mean by that is what do you do for a living? Those go together. What is your name? What do you do? Now, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, without thinking about it, The first thing we do when we get together with others is that we name. We name things and people, and we define them. We're we're doing this, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. We're defining ourselves in relation to other people, and we're defining those around us, okay? We're we're trying to situate ourselves in this social space, and always very close to our identity, Not only do we talk about and define who we are, but we also talk about what we do. So it's not just a title or a name, it's it's what we do with that name. Who are you and what do you do? This morning is the feast of the baptism of our Lord, and I want to consider together these questions of identity. These are questions of identity. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Let's make it personal. Questions of identity confront us everywhere we turn. Your first day in a new school, your first time at Christchurch, the 500th time you've come to Christchurch, what bumper sticker or whether or not you put a bumper sticker on your car, what, what shirt I should wear, what, what does my shirt say, what kind of clothes do I wear that says something about me? Even the Hershey's chocolate commercial I saw this week was about identity, If you want to be like this really kind, 84-year-old, gentle old man, then eat Hershey's chocolate. Um, I will will totally walk in his path and do that. (laughs) Questions of identity, though, they go far deeper than the clothes that we wear. We all know this. What does our flesh and blood mean? What, what is, what, who am I? What is myself? What do I mean? Not just what we do with our bodies, but even what my body is. What is it? Are people just the random result of a cosmic scientific experiment? When grieving the death of his wife, C.S. Lewis wrote this, if she is not, if she is not, then she never was. I mistook a cloud of atoms for a person. So this is not a surface issue that an Instagram filter can fix. Identity goes much deeper. This is very personal. 
So when, when, I, when I first said the word identity, what was the first thing that came to your mind? You don't have to say it out loud, but when we hear the word identity, I think a lot of times we hear a prefix that comes with it. Uh, in our day and age, gender identity is something we see all over the place. Uh, and this sermon is not particularly about that, but who we are, it goes deeper than clothes and social media. It gets into every aspect of us, our internal selves and our external selves and all of our feelings, every identity that we have. All these, all these titles and names that we have, they're all wrestling for our heart. They want to be at the center. This is the center of who you are. Husband, father, Christian, priest, male. You, you, you could fill in the blank for you. Who am I? Who am I? What do I do now? How do I act as a result of this definition? And who has the right to tell me who I am? All of these questions of identity are always around us. There is no escaping the challenge of these questions. Even watching a Hershey's chocolate commercial, you can't get away from it. Everything is loaded now with meaning. I think it probably always was. We are told without ceasing that the center of identity is our sexuality or our athletic or financial or ministry success or our kids, and the list could go on. There are challenges everywhere to the center of our identity. Little boys have distorted hyper-masculine identity issues. Little girls deal with distorted Disney or Instagram identity issues. And don't you all feel like a little boy or a little girl most of the time? It's not just the little ones. If you don't define yourself like this, if you don't define yourself like this, then you're out. If you don't do this, then you're a bad mom. If you don't do this, you're not successful. You're not pretty. You're worthless. Whatever it is, who are you? This, this is always coming up. Human identity itself, human identity, who we are, is our problem. It's our problem. We are empty. We are in pain. We incessantly draw attention to ourselves, and then we turn around, and we don't want anybody to look at us, okay? We're very confused. We're so fragile. We're so fragile, like a, like a balloon that is overinflated that can pop really easily, or else a balloon that is underinflated that can't even get off the ground. We are fragile, Tim Keller says it like this. This, all of these things that I've been saying, this is the normal state of the human self. This is where we all live. We need something. We, need, we know we need something or someone that is deeper or better to break into our twisted and broken attempts at defining ourself. So I don't know exactly where you are this morning. I am not you, praise the Lord, I am not you, and you are not me, but I know that you struggle with identity. If Christianity means anything, Christianity means anything above everything inside of you and outside of you, deeper than your feelings, deeper than the blood in your veins, to be a Christian means that you identify yourself, you're found in, you identify yourself with Christ. 
That's what it means to be a Christian, to follow him. Jesus, he's he's got to become and and continue to become the center of your identity. So what does all this talk about identity have to do with the baptism of our Lord? Okay, let's connect it together. Let's connect the dots. Matthew chapter 1, the first verse of the New Testament. The opening sentence is an identity statement. It's an identity statement. This is the book of the Genesis of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ, the expected one, the son of King David, the son of our father Abraham. This is the first sentence of the New Testament. It sets our expectation. Jesus is then identified in the genealogy with all kinds of questionable characters in the story of the world. Highly esteemed heroes with men, with women, with forgettable kings and apostate sons. All of them are in the genealogy of Jesus Messiah. And then Jesus is named. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is called Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Matthew chapter 2, King Herod and the baby King Jesus, born in King David's city, Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 is a battle. It's a battle for the title, the identity, King of the Jews. And in case you haven't read the story or you weren't here the last few weeks, here's how the battle ends. Herod dies. Herod dies, and it says it three times. He's a loser. He dies. He's not the true king. Spoiler alert. Who is the true king of the Jews? Matthew ends his gospel, Matthew chapter 27, with this question, and Pilate knows. He knows. Everyone knows, and still they mock him. Hail, king of the Jews. They mock him. So back to Matthew chapter 2. Jesus goes to Egypt. He is identified with the people of Israel and their exile to Egypt and with Moses. And then he returns to Galilee to be named, to be named. He is to be called a Nazarene, okay? Matthew chapter 3. Right before our gospel reading this morning, fiery John the Baptist has a wonderful little identity conversation right before our gospel reading with the holy men of his day. This is what they're saying. They're saying, we are sons of Abraham. We are sons of Abraham. And John responds, nope, nope. You are sons of the snake. You guys, are, that's, that's fighting words if you didn't know that. You are sons of the snake. You are begotten of snakes, he says. This is the same words from the genealogy. Unless you humble yourself and turn around, John says, you will be cut down. This, tr- this tree is going to get cut off and God is able to raise up a fruitful tree from the stony ground of this wilderness that he is preaching from and he names them. God names them. He identifies these stones, these, this, this new tree, this fruitful tree that comes up out of the stony ground as children of Abraham. Okay, now we're to our sermon text. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Hear this again. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. Then John consented. So here's my theological translation of what 
what is happening there. This is not the main focus. We're getting we're going to focus on the last part of our gospel reading. At the beginning of our sermon text, John states the obvious. He says, "Are you kidding me? Really, Jesus? I'm baptizing you? No, no. You are supposed to, I, you're supposed to baptize me. That's what I've been saying this whole time. I'm doing this water baptism thing and the one who comes after me is greater than me, right? This is my whole message. Have you been listening, Jesus? You came out today. You should have listened to the whole thing." And Jesus responds. He responds to John. "Oh, John. No, John." You have to baptize me. I left my throne in heaven to fully identify myself with you, with all of sinful humanity. I condescended to a virgin's womb, and now, John, we together, us together, fulfill all righteousness in this act of mutual humility. In John's obedience. All right, Jesus, you, you, you have the say, okay? I'm going to submit to you. Only the very first or very last can be first. I must go down into this water to identify myself with you. Okay, so th this is how Jesus responds. And in verse 16, the story continues. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Everything is leading to this. Everything is leading to this moment as, as, the, as the prayers this morning have, have been reflecting this in our liturgy and the songs. Everything is leading to this moment for all humanity, for every man and woman who has ever lived and whoever lived, this is the first and final statement of identity. This is the first and the final statement of identity. God the Father declares, Jesus is my beloved son. He is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is, this is the language from Psalm chapter two. He, the psalmist writes about, you are my son. Yahweh says, you are my son in Isaiah 42, which we heard this morning, in whom my soul delights. This is the long awaited Davidic king. We should expect this from the first verse of this gospel. Jesus is the king in the line of David, the servant king in whom Yahweh delights, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 53, he is now the suffering servant who will die and redeem his people from their sins. Genesis chapter 22, in, in the scene at Mount Moriah where Yahweh talks, he talks to Abraham, he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. And Matthew's using this same language and he's blending these two together. Jesus is the long awaited son of Abraham. He's the son of Abraham as well from every tribe, tongue, and nation. In him, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. So he's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. It's all coming together in this short identity statement. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And immediately following this, Matthew chapter four, Jesus is led into the wilderness and his identity is challenged by the devil. His identity is challenged. If you are the son of God, again, if 
you are the son of God. If you are the king of heaven, then why don't you just take the earth? The, the devil is, he's twisting the truth, right? The true reality that Jesus is the king of all of this. It's already his, God just said so, okay? And he said, take it, take it, take it now, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. And Jesus says, no, no, that's not yours to give. That is not yours to give. Everything is mine already. I'm not going to take it. I want to receive it from my father's hand. The evil one knows who Jesus is. He knows him better than we do in many ways. He knows who Jesus is. So at every point in this gospel, this is the identity challenge for Jesus. And it's a real challenge over and over again to take it, to take it. It would be so easy for him to call down angels. You guys know that, right? He could do that. He's been doing that for, for all time. Even before time began, this is who he is. I know who you are, the evil one says. So do what you came to do. Conquer, be a king, take it, take the fruit. Take the fruit, it is yours by right. That's your fruit, grasp after it. And the second Adam does not, he does not. He conquers the temptations of the evil one. And at every point in this gospel, sinful Pharisees and disciples, all the same, all of us together, all humanity, we challenge Jesus. Who does this man say that he is? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Who does he say that he is? The gospel story is a conflict concerning the identity of Jesus of Nazareth. And even with, if we get his identity right, even if we can say the creed with a whole heart, right? With gusto, we can say the creed. We get the identity right just as Peter did in Matthew chapter 16. He says, you are the son of the living God, right? This is the same kind of language. You are the son of the living God. You can't die, Jesus. You, you must not die. That's, that's not the plan here. And how does Jesus respond to him? He says, get behind me, right? Get behind me, Satan. I will not bring my kingdom that way. So let's review real quick. Let's review. Firstly, we all have deep, deep identity issues. Secondly, the gospel story is about responding to the identity of Jesus. And so the question I want to answer real quickly as we end is, so what? So what? How, how do we bridge the gap? How does the identity of Jesus connect with my identity? How do, how, do I, how do I bring this story, this, this gospel proclamation over the Son of God? How do I, how do I bring this into my life and into uh, all the things that I do? Not just who I am, but what I then do following that. And so this, this is not a technical or a philosophical application. This is really just me reflecting on the order of the story the order of the gospel story. And so I just want to pay attention to that for just a moment. Here is what happened first. First, Jesus came into this world in the virgin's womb. He entered into his public ministry by going under the water, by receiving, by receiving John's baptism, receiving, not doing, not doing, identifying himself completely, completely with sinful humanity, yet without sin. 
before Jesus's identity is challenged in the temptation, before the temptation, before the rejections over and over again, before the betrayal, before the crucifixion, before all of that, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The declaration of the father's pleasure with his beloved son comes first, and it always has to come first. This is the order of the gospel. Jesus is protected in his mother's womb, helpless. He is protected by his, by Joseph's righteous action. He receives the baptism of John. He is declared beloved. And this declaration carries him through the temptation. It carries him through. And so too, we who are dead, we must be raised to life in Christ through baptism. This is, this is not coincidental, y'all. We, we have to identify ourselves with him in baptism, through death in baptism raised to life, declared a daughter or son of the king before we had done anything good or bad. By the Father's good pleasure alone, through his predestining grace from before the world began, we come and we buy without any money. There's, there's so many different ways that we can say this. There's so many ways that the gospel story reflects on this way, on this order of the gospel and all of the letters as well. This is the gospel order. It's the first step in finding our identity centrally in Christ. This is the only way through the fiery trials of life. It's the only way through the empty identity games we play, through the pain of our rebellion, through death and into fullness of life. It's the only way. Hear this from the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Jesus was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The same, the same statement. This is my beloved Son. You see Him in His glory. Look at him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, the father says to us. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christ Church, visit us at ChristChurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 